Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Praise to you from uh, God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pondering our passage from Isaiah for this week, I uh, was remembering the experience of one of my college friends who moved to the mountains after graduation. Now, he's a pretty outdoorsy guy, so I assumed that he would have loved everything about living in the Rockies. From the high altitude to the cooler evenings, he was from Minnesota originally and said that summer was the most depressing time of year for him. He did not like the heat. Uh, <clears throat> the cool evenings to the wildlife to the hiking opportunities, I thought that everything about this new mountain home would have been on point for him. Well, when I saw him a few years later, I asked how his move to the mountains had treated him. And he responded, it was tough. I got claustrophobic. <laughs> claustrophobic? This was one of the last things I expected him to say. What would living in the mountains have to do with claustrophobia? Now, though I, I, to be uh, fair here, I believe he meant claustropho claustrophobic in more of a figurative sense or metaphorical sense than a literal one. I do not believe he lived every day by suffering from panic, panic attacks at any given moment. Still, I was eventually able to understand his perspective. He had grown up in Minnesota, where there are sprawling farmlands with rolling hills and relatively low horizons. Visually, in this northern plains state, there is no lack for space. If one needed to drive anywhere, the question one might ask uh, is, which way do you want to go? And not, how do we get out of our valley? Living in the mountains was a drastic change from living on the plains for him. And at least figuratively speaking, he felt a sense of geographic claustrophobia over the change. Others might commiserate with my friend's experience. For myself, we used to vacation as a family in northern Minnesota. Well, there are trees, uh, some trees where I grew up, the countryside is fairly open, with only a few trees here or there, or groves here or there. So when we headed north for the first time, to where pine trees limited our vision to the narrow, cleared corridor, corridors where the roads are, I had a feeling of being hemmed in somehow. Here, in the Mission Valley, I've heard some people talk about how they prefer to live right up next, close to the Mission Mountains, in the foothills, and even in the midst of forests with tall trees all around. Others, uh, perhaps many in our congregation, say that they much prefer to live away from the trees in the mountains, perhaps closer to the river, with a clear view of our local mountain range, but open space in between. Whether it be mountains or trees that get in the way, it is fair to say that some prefer, or at least are used to, an open view of the horizon 
while others do not seem to mind being walled in. Just a little bit more. Now these differences in how we perceive the horizon show how significant it is to see the morning light when it comes and to bid farewell to the evening sun as it disappears behind the earth. After all, our strongest feelings and opinions involve only what we really care about. The sun's light in our lives and how it illuminates the horizon and the world around us seems to be one of those things. For my friend from Minnesota, it became apparent to him that it was significant that he not only see the sun at its highest, perched above the high mountain valley walls around him. For him, it was just as important to see the sun as it sauntered up higher in the late morning and descended slowly as it approached its dusk. He needed the space to be open and free across the land around him as well in order to feel free internally. Conversely, others prefer the rugged terrain, high cliff sides and dramatic rock faces that only mountain valleys can provide. Still others might prefer a horizon that is protected by a grove or a forest, a foothill or a canal. I would venture that most all of us have preferences of how land and light are situated in our lives. And I believe that these preferences are important. In a roundabout way, we see these preferences referenced in our reading from Isaiah 42. Speaking of the servant of Israel and the Messiah prophetically, the text says, I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. The servant shines as a light to the nations, opening the eyes of the blind and bringing light to those who sit in darkness. It is almost as though the prophetic servant is like the morning sun as it crests the horizon to cast light across the vast plains. Or perhaps it is as though the servant is like the sun clearing McDonald or Kalawa can peak to our east and claiming the Mission Valley as its own. Those of us who have hunkered down through the night, through the dark of night and the cold of winter get to be illumined again on those rare but spectacular winter mornings when we are not greeted by clouds, but by sun, and sun that warms the world. Similarly, the servant is one promised to shine and illumine the lives of everyone, everywhere. The light shines not for some, but for all. And when we see the light of God shining on the people, it is beautiful and wonderful. When the light of the servant dawns over all the nations, what does the light bring with it? Well, Isaiah 42 tells us that the servant, this dawning light for the nations, will bring with him justice to the nations. More than that, instead of doing this through imperial conquest or battle cries and army occupations, the prophet tells us that the servant will not cry or lift up his voice. Even a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. 
His way of justice is not harsh or violent in any way. Furthermore, the servant will not tire out of his pursuit of this justice. Isaiah says of the servant, he will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. It is a truly remarkable thing to think of this servant coming over the horizon to bring justice and peace to a people that had only known defeat, exile, and violent humiliation in their lifetimes, as the audience of Isaiah did. It would mean him inviting the people to envision a different sort of cavalry, cavalry coming over the hillside. This servant would change their lives and their world through means that are so remarkably peaceful that they would be hard to even comprehend for any earthly government. The justice of the servant is so remarkable and pure that it can only be imagined by us humble sinners. In fact, the servant's way of justice is so remarkable and pure that it can and it has only been embodied by Jesus of Nazareth. There at the waterside, as we heard about in our reading from Matthew, the Spirit descended upon him and revealed him to be the servant that Isaiah had foretold. The people had longed for justice and peace between all peoples and all nations, but they could not make it happen for themselves. Just as we cannot force the sun to rise over the low horizon on the plains or or over high mountain peaks, so this vision of justice that does not even harm the most bruised of reeds or snuff out the dimmest of wicks is peace that only God can give. We human creatures are forever in need of the grace that is held in the hands of the Son of God the servant that Isaiah prophesied about, and in his hands alone. So, when we look to Christ, we see the light for the nations coming over the horizon. Whether that horizon be a tightly packed tree line, a vast open plain, or a steep-sided mountain valley, when the light dawns, it illumines our lives and our world in profound ways. The light of Christ shines on the nations as nothing else can. The longer that light shines, the more it ushers in the ways of divine justice and peace that we all can merely hope for in our mortal lives. May this light shine perpetually on the world that the Son came to save, and may the peace and justice that comes with it reign forever. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.